Well, good morning. Would you join me as we pray together this morning? Father, truly, as we come into your presence, uh, there is little that we can say. I'm reminded of what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 6, when the thing that he least expected happened. He went to church and you showed up. And he said that he was silent before you as he contemplated your holiness. So Lord, as we come this morning in awe of who you are and what you do and what you have done and what you will do, Lord, uh, we have few words that can describe you. And yet, for thousands of years, we have attempted and we've tried. So this morning, as we open your word, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you and that together, as we leave here, we will have had an encounter with you that silences us in the face of all the noise of the world. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for uh, praying for uh, the team as we have made our way back at 12.30 last night from France. I may sleep during my own sermon this morning. (laughs) But it is great to be back with you, and thank you for praying for our team. It was a wonderful trip. I think there was a lot of good work that was done, and we're so excited about what God is doing uh, in and through Southside this summer. One of the things that we say about our congregation is that we measure our success not based on our seating capacity, but on our sending capacity. That's right, on our sending capacity. And, and we, this summer, have sent an enormous number of people out, and many of them are still out. So I would ask you to continue to pray for those who are out. Actually, we have people on the European continent. We have people in North Africa in the Middle East. We have people in Sub-Sahara Africa, and we have people in South America, all from Southside right now today. So continue to pray for those folks as they're on mission, and we hope that you'll come back on August 17th and hear about all the great things that God is doing in and through uh, Southside Baptist Church. Uh, when, when we were in France for these last two weeks, I found, found myself at a serious disadvantage because I speak no French. And um, so I literally found myself tongue-tied for two weeks. Uh, I had very little that I could say while I was there. I took Spanish in high school, so I didn't know a lot of French. Uh, and so I was the helper. I did a lot of behind-the-scenes work and helped set up and, and would speak with those uh, who could speak English primarily. Um, but I found myself at a real disadvantage just not being able to talk because my tongue had not been trained Uh, in the French language. But it it also came in handy a few times. Uh, There were a couple times where I'm pretty sure the guy behind the counter got so frustrated with me, I got a pretty good discount on some croissants. Um, There was another international incident. We went to this cathedral. I think we have a picture of a cathedral uh, that we visited. It's beautiful, and uh, it's a 15th century cathedral. And on the inside of it, we have another picture on the inside, absolutely gorgeous. And uh, we're in there, and shortly after this picture was taken, we heard what sounded like a cannon shot. And a member of our team's backpack had opened, and their metal water bottle had fallen out and broken. So uh, we teased and said her water broke in the cathedral. And, and I'm sitting there and listening, and this, you know, the water is broken on the cathedral floor, this concrete floor. And I'm sitting there with, uh, with one of our partners who speaks French, and she's not moving. And so I'm kind of looking like, hey, shouldn't you go help? And she said, you know, she said, um, that person doesn't speak French, 
and the person in charge of the cathedral doesn't speak English, she said it may work out better if they can't communicate. (laughs) And so there were many times it was uh, definitely to our advantage that we might not have been able to communicate as as well as we otherwise uh, otherwise would have been able to. Uh, The tongue is certainly something that is a powerful part of our body. Growing up, you heard a poem often, maybe you even said it to your kids as they were growing up, sticks and stones, say it with me, may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Of course, you know that's not true, right? Actually, the Bible says that's not true. One of the wisest men who ever lived, uh, he was a king in Israel, he wrote this about the tongue, with patience a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. Proverbs 25.15. So every time we've said that poem, uh, actually, uh, the Bible would say just the opposite, that the tongue is very, very powerful. And, and you don't need the Bible to tell you that. Because if you were to think back through your life, and all of you in here, almost everyone in here is old enough to have had an experience where if you think back in your life far enough, you can remember an occasion where the most hurtful thing, the most hurtful thing you experienced was based on the words that somebody said to you. That there were times where physical violence would not have been as hurtful as words that may have been said or maybe words that should have been said uh, that were withheld. There was a great diplomat who once said that every war uh, that began with or could have been prevented with words that the tongue could have prevented every war that's ever been fought and every war that's ever been fought started because of the tongue. Every physical battle begins with it, and every physical battle could be prevented by it. And so the prevalence of our words, the number of our words, and the danger that they pose to us, Solomon also said this in Proverbs 10, 19, when words are many, for those of us who talk a lot, I know there are uh, others in here like me, and you use words a lot, listen to this word, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. In other words, it's precious. It's valuable. Uh, It's valuable. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. So this verse gives us two dangers that increase with the use of our words. The first one is this, that the more words we use, the greater the likelihood of their misuse. The more you talk the greater the likelihood that you're going to say something inappropriate or stumble into something that you shouldn't have stumbled into. But there's a second danger that this verse also tells us, and it's the law of supply and demand. As words increase, their value diminishes. Solomon also said that even the foolish appear wise when they are silent. Our words have danger. The more we use them, the greater likelihood we are of stumbling into trouble. The more we use them, the less their value becomes. So for the next four weeks, we're going to begin a new series that we are calling Tongue Tied. And I think it's an appropriate time for us to begin this series because as the political season gets more and more heated, there's a dramatic increase in the number of words and therefore there's greater potential for damage. And our words on social media and the words that we say to people in passing have the ability to project our thoughts and our ideas. We have more potential to communicate our thoughts for both good and for bad than ever before in the history of humanity. Technology has made that available to us. 
the 24-hour news cycle, the internet, has made information and words more prevalent than ever, which gives Christians a unique opportunity to set ourselves apart from the rest of the world by the way we use our mouths. By the way we use our tongues, we can be distinguished. So I've got a couple goals for us uh, over the next few weeks uh, during this series, and they're simple. The first one is this, because it's actually our purpose as a church, it's in our purpose as, as human beings, is to honor God with our whole being, especially with our tongues. And the second purpose is this. I, I want us to, I want it to help us to understand the power of our words and how we can use them wisely for good in a world where they're so often used for damage and for harm. Third reason is I want us to draw closer to God through the reduction of our own voice in favor of his voice. The reduction of our words in favor of of his word. And finally, I want us to set an example in speech and in deed for those who do not know Jesus Christ. That you have the ability, based on the words that you choose to use and the words that you do not use, to be a witness for Jesus Christ in the public places everywhere you go, in your work, in your school, in the stores, in your community, in your neighborhood. So, so I, I want us to really focus in on this image and what the Bible has to say about the way we use our tongues. And today, to get started, I'd like to invite you to open to James chapter 3. So if you have a Bible, open to James. James is towards the back of your Bible. If you get to Hebrew, First and Second Peter, you've gone too far. Uh, James, the book of James, will be in chapter 3 of the book of James. James was, of course, the half-brother of Jesus. So anytime we read the words of James, there's a good possibility that we are hearing many of the things that Jesus said that James remembered. And I think that's especially true in this particular passage, and I'll tell you why in just a few minutes. James chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Now, he's starting off in kind of an odd way by talking about teachers and the incredible responsibility that teachers have. And this admonition comes because teachers use words and words have power to shape lives and to shape generations. And so he's saying if you are a teacher, because of the words of your mouth and the ideas that you're communicating, you will be held to a higher standard. So let not many of you go into that. I think about that every time I come up here to preach to you. Which is why I really like to use the Bible because I can trust that it's God's idea, not necessarily my own idea. Because James is saying you are held accountable for the words that you say, the ideas that they shape, and the influence that they have on future generations. For we all stumble in many ways, James says. In other words, everybody messes up. We all agree to that. Everybody messes up. Everybody stumbles. Everybody says things they shouldn't say. Everybody stumbles into accidents. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, says he is a perfect man able also to bridle his entire body now listen to what James is communicating here because it's a it's pretty incredible idea he's basically saying that if you could ever master your tongue you could control your entire body and you could be perfect just by controlling one part of your anatomy your tongue 
Now, that's a pretty incredible claim if you think about it. Because there's a lot of harm that we can do with other parts of our body. But James says it's your tongue that's the key. It's the, it's the tongue that controls. Hey, where does he get this idea? He's going to go on. He's going to give us a couple examples. So look on with me in verse 3. He's going to give us three specific examples. If we put bits into the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Now he's given us three specific examples. A bit in the mouth of a horse, a rudder on a ship, and a spark that begins a great fire. Now, if you think about this, in James's time, uh, 2,000 years ago, these examples represent the most powerful forces that James knew in his day. Uh, the, the power of the wind to, sh- to sail a ship, the power of fire, and, and the power of a horse. These were powerful, powerful images. So if we were going to make a, a modern-day uh, comparison, we might say it would be like the detonator of a nuclear bomb. That the detonator itself is small, but it controls something that has tremendous power, tremendous ability to bring destruction. So so he says the the fire begins by a small spark. And then he says in verse 6, he really turns up the heat on us. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Tell us how you really feel, James. I mean, he is trying to communicate in every way he knows how the seriousness of the dangers that come with the human tongue and the words that we use. Now, where did this idea come from? I think he got this idea from his brother. I think he often got it from, from Jesus. Uh, if you look with me in Matthew chapter 15, keep a finger here in James chapter 3, but let's go back and, and look for just a minute at what Jesus said that I think influenced what James is saying here in James chapter 3. Matthew chapter 15, uh, Matthew's giving an account of the life and the teachings and the ministry of Jesus. Matthew 15, 11, he's quoting Jesus, and here's what he said. These are the words of Jesus. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of a mouth that defiles him. Now, Jesus is speaking specifically about the dietary laws of the Jews. The Jews had incredibly strict dietary laws. What you could and couldn't eat and when you could eat it and when you could not eat it. Very strict laws that they had to monitor all the time. And Jesus is basically saying, you guys are focused on the wrong thing. It's not what you're putting into your mouth That's dangerous, but it's what's coming out of your mouth. And so, of course, the disciples were questioning Jesus about this because Jesus is poking at a very uh, hard-held religious tradition and custom and teaching. And so they're questioning Jesus about it. And in verse 17, he explains, Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart... And this, ref- this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These all defile a person. 
Now, now take what James said and the words of Jesus, and, and let's think about them together for just a minute. Because often in our culture, in our society today, we are told that we should follow our what? Our heart. Follow your heart. That I, I knew it wasn't the right thing to do, but, but man, my heart was in it, and I just, I just felt led to you know, go with my heart, to go with my heart. James is arguing that it's actually not your heart. James is saying that the heart propels us, just like the wind might propel a ship, or the legs of the horse are powerful and drive the horse, but it's actually the tongue that directs us. Like the bit in the mouth of a horse or like the rudder on the back of a ship. And Jesus is saying that's right. Because it's what comes out of a man's mouth that is coming. It's found, it finds its genesis. It finds its power inside of his heart. So let me ask you, what is going on inside of your heart? What is the condition of your heart based on what comes out of your mouth? You see, we often want to somehow separate the words and the phrases and the, and the way we talk from the condition of our heart. We expect people to trust that we have a good and a sincere heart despite the fact that the words we use and the way we talk to people and the way we interact with people is venomous. And Jesus says that's not so. It's impossible. In fact, whatever comes out of a man's mouth is revealing to you what is going on inside of that man's heart. Let's go back to James and see what else he has to say. James chapter 3 verse 7. Here's what he says, for every kind of beast of bird, beast and bird or reptile of sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can ever tame the tongue. In other words, humans have tamed every kind of animal you know, but he is unable to tame his own tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, here, here it comes, with it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. With it, we bless God. We come and we sing, crown him with many crowns. And then we turn around and we post some of the most vile, venomous things we can imagine on social media about other people who were created in God's image. Political candidates not excluded. And James is saying it can't be that way. Listen, he goes on. From the same mouth comes blessing and curses. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. See, our words reveal the duplicity of our heart. They reveal what's going on inside of us. We say one thing, but we mean another. And James is saying that we cannot praise God and curse people, that it's impossible. The two are mutually exclusive, like a tree producing two kinds of fruit or a spring producing fresh and salt water. Praise for God and curses for people created in God's image cannot come from the same mouth. That is indicting for me. Because here's the truth that James is communicating and the truth that I want us to understand over the course of the next four weeks. How I use my tongue reveals the true condition of my heart. How I use my tongue reveals the true condition of my heart. Are you struggling with bitterness and negativity? Are you not sure? Look at your words closely. 
You may be deaf to it. You may be deaf to how negative you are all the time, but people around you, the people who are closest to you, I guarantee they hear it. They recognize it. They know it. Are you struggling with pride and self-centeredness? How much of what you say is really about you all the time? Even when you're talking or complimenting somebody else, what you're saying really has something to do with you because your words are revealing pride and self-centeredness. Do you have a heart full of lust? What about the jokes you tell? The words you allow yourself to hear in the movies you watch and the music you listen to. I tell my kids growing up, garbage in, garbage out. See, it matters. It matters because what comes out of your mouth is a reflection of what's really going on inside of your heart. Listen to how James conclude, uh, says it in James chapter 1, verse 26. If anyone considers himself religious, okay, I don't know how many of you here consider yourself religious, but looking around the room, I see many of you on a weekly basis, so I would say many of you in the room are religious. You show up, you come, we sing the songs. It's not a bad thing. We we may read our Bibles through the week. We are religious. If any of you considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight ring on his tongue, he, say it with me, deceives himself, and his religion is what? Worthless. In other words, you can show up every week, you can read your Bible, you can go through all the routines, but when you walk out on Monday and you begin to open your mouth and the things that you begin to say and the things that you begin to post and the ways you communicate to people undermines everything that you're doing because it's revealing what's really going on inside of your heart. This is so, so important. And it has such tremendous power to influence the people who are around you. Just simply by controlling the way you speak and the way you use your tongue. So let me give you some practical advice. First, you might want to write this verse down, maybe even memorize it. Psalm 141.3 says this, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Some of you just need to memorize that verse, and every time you're tempted to say something, just pray before everything you say. God set a guard on my mouth. Watch what I say. Listen more and speak less. Listen to what James said in James 1.19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, we're going to look at this verse more next week. But just remember, be quick to listen and slow to speak. And certainly slow to become angry. In Ephesians 4.29, and this is our theme verse I want to challenge you to memorize it. Actually, let's read it together. We're going to put it up on the screen. Ephesians 4.29. Ephesians 4.29. Let's all read it together. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Let some unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth when it involves national figures and national celebrities and sports stars? Let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth when it involves somebody who's not in the room at that time? No. Let no unwholesome talk. But wait a minute, I'm right. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful. Are your words helpful? To build other people up according to their need. Now, how can you do this? Let me give you some some ways 
that, that we're going to help you over the next four weeks as we focus on this in some really practical ways. First of all, we want you to gather with us every Sunday. I know it's summertime and there are trips and vacations, but you need to be in church every Sunday for the next four weeks. If you can't be in church, I hope you'll log on and watch our live stream or listen to our podcast so that you can be challenged by what the Word of God has to say to us about the way we use our tongues and the words that come out of our mouth. So gather with us every week to worship. The second thing I want to challenge you to do is to, to grow, to get connected to another individual or to a group of people and hold each other accountable for the way you use your words over the next few weeks. You, you all, anybody who's ever tried to tame a part of their body, uh, maybe worked out or you, you're, you, you run or you lift weights uh, and you're trying to condition a muscle, you exercise it and, and maybe you've had a partner who was a running partner or, or a workout partner to help hold you accountable. Well, we're trying to tame what the Bible describes as the most difficult muscle in the entire body to tame. So get somebody who can hold you accountable. Maybe you'll have in your family a, a swear jar where every time somebody says an unkind word or an unhelpful word, maybe you put a little money in that that then you can give to missions or give to a cause that you, you care about. But do something with other people so that you can be held accountable in a small group setting. And finally, we want you to, to think about this as you go out of this place, and we want to encourage you to participate with us in what we're calling the 429 Challenge. The 429 Challenge, based on Ephesians 429, we want to ask you to do four specific things. The first thing is to in, in become involved in a 29-day fast from unwholesome talk. A 29-day fast from all unwholesome talk. What does that mean? No gossip, no lying, no cruelty, no flattery, no coarse language. All those things that are unwholesome and maybe as you read God's word over the next few weeks, you'll even discover some things and some ways that you're using your mouth that you didn't know were unwholesome. I want you just to say, for the next 29 days, I'm going to make a concerted effort not to say anything unwholesome, not to let any unwholesome talk come out of my mouth. For 29 days, I want you to, I want you to seek to build others up according to their needs, to use your words to help and not to hurt. What can you say to someone that will be helpful. I'll tell you about a fail I had yesterday. Uh, as we're trying to get home and our flight was delayed and we missed one and, and, and I know I've got to speak this morning and we're rushing around the, the airport. We get on uh, the elevator and we're going up the elevator just from one floor to another floor and uh, we got all this baggage and there's a girl in the back corner who's reading something on her phone and she's just sobbing. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, just say something encouraging to her. But then there was something else inside of me said, but you're in such a hurry and it's just one floor. You don't have time. And by the time I had the debate in my head, the doors open and we were off. And guess what? I missed it. I missed the opportunity just to say something that might have been helpful. Just a word of encouragement. Just to say, can I pray for you? Is there anything I can pray for you right now? And I missed it just because I was unwilling to use my words. See, it's not just about the things that you say that are hurtful, but it's about the things that you don't say that might be helpful. Amen. 29 days of building others up according to their needs. The, four, the third way I want to invite you, challenge you this, this uh, next 29 days is to take 29 minutes of silent meditation every day. Now, this is going to be really hard for some of you. 29 minutes of silent meditation. 
And, and what you're going to find is that your mind is going to race and it's going to wander and it's going to race and it's going to wander. And you might find 29 minutes is an eternity, but my hope for you is that by the end of 29 days, maybe you're doing more than 29 minutes of silent meditation. Just stilling your own voice, stilling your own words, and instead inviting God's word to penetrate your heart and your life. And finally, sometime throughout the 20, next 29 days, I want you to take a 29-hour vow of silence. And I've already had some spouses tell me how excited they are about this. <laughs> a 29-hour vow of silence. Maybe as a family you'll do it. Maybe as a couple you'll do it. But you will be amazed at how how just listening, just being quick to listen and slow to speak will change your perspective on the people around you. How you will begin to hear in their words the condition of their heart, the hurt and the pain and the brokenness that maybe you've been ignoring because you've been too busy trying to communicate your own thoughts instead of listening to the words of others and knowing how you might help them. So four ways that we're inviting you to engage with us. We've got a couple things that we're going to give you today as you leave to to help you with this. Uh, We put together a little tongue-tied 429 Challenge journal. Uh, There's a daily Bible reading involved in this, so you can take it home with you, read the, uh, the verse that's assigned or the passage that's assigned every day, and answer a few questions. Now, this is the kind of thing you do at the end of the day because it's going to ask you to take an inventory of your words throughout the day. So maybe right before you go to bed, uh, just read the passage of Scripture and then answer a few questions and keep a journal for 29 days so that you can be held accountable for how you're using your words. We're also going to give you a bookmark that's got our theme verse, Ephesians 4.29. We're going to encourage you to memorize that. It's got the four parts of the challenge. And on the back, it's got the 29 Scripture readings. So if you don't want to keep the journal... You can just keep the bookmark somewhere and know you can read those passages of Scripture. So we want to encourage you to be a part of that. Now listen, I know that all may seem kind of simple and maybe even a little silly, but but hear me for, for just a second. For so, so many of us, we go through life, and I'm confessing this myself. For others of you, you're much more thoughtful. But for me and for others who may be like me, we go through life and we're so careless and thoughtless with our words. And and I'm convinced that we have no idea how many times we have rolled over people and stepped on their feelings and and really done damage and been totally unaware of the hurt and the harm that we've caused. In some cases, maybe even to the message of the gospel because people know that we're Christians and they hear the words coming out of our mouths. Isn't it worth us as a community, isn't it worth you as a family, you as an individual, taking 29 days just to say, if the tongue really does have that much power, if my words really can have that much influence, isn't it worth taking 29 days and just focusing on what God would have you do and how he would have you use your tongue and the words that you say? I I think we we have the potential, church, to have a tremendous impact in the lives of hundreds and literally thousands of people who are in each one of our circles of influence based on nothing more than the way we use our words. Because what comes out of my mouth, the way I use my tongue, reveals what's going on inside of my heart. And and this may begin for you as just behavior modification. 
In other words, you're simply just trying to modify your behavior and you're not saying things. I mean, I've often thought to myself, if you only knew what I didn't say, like you, you'd be proud of me because as, as often as I stumble into saying things I shouldn't say, I've, I do stop myself occasionally, but behavior modification is not enough. But through trying to modify our behavior, through focusing on our mouth, what I'm praying will happen is that God will turn your focus away from just your mouth and into your heart. And maybe you'll begin to ask yourself, why do I want to say that right now? I'm not going to say it, but why do I want to say it? What's going on inside of me right now? Jesus, I need to invite you to change me from the inside out. I need you to do more than just modify the way I speak, but I need you to modify the condition of my heart. Jesus, I need you to come in and save me daily from the darkness that seeks to penetrate my heart and that so often spills out of my mouth. So today as we conclude our service, I'm going to invite our musicians to to make their way forward. And and as we prepare to sing a song of commitment, we're going to do something just a little different today. Um... This is a tongue depressor. <laughs> and as silly as it seems, it's a good reminder for how we need to control our tongues. How we need to work on allowing our mouths to reflect the love and the grace and the nature of Jesus Christ, who we say lives inside of us. And so we've got some... Uh, Baskets up here with tongue depressors in them. And uh, and during our commitment time, if you're willing to participate for 29 days in the 429 challenge, we're going to ask you just to come down and take a tongue depressor. Now, I I don't know how many of you have been involved in the recovery movement, but but you'll know that it's kind of like a white chip. You know, if you go to a recovery meeting and and you're trying to get clean from a particular addiction, and today's day one. I'm going to do it today. You take a white chip as a symbol. This is the first day of a new way of living. We're going to have these tongue depressors out every week for four weeks. Some of you are going to need to come down every week and take another tongue depressor. (laughs) But it's okay. It's okay. Because together, we're going to work. We're going to work to do what James encourages us to do, which is to consider how we use our tongues and how we use our mouths, that they might reflect the nature of the God that we say we love. Will you stand with me as we pray and then respond as God inspires? Father, um, as, as I've been reading these passages over the last few weeks and months and preparing for this series, Lord, I, I, I have to confess uh, to you and before my brothers and sisters uh, how convicting it is for me personally, and Lord, how I recognize my inability to tame my tongue. James says it's impossible because it is impossible for us to do it, but with you, all things are possible. And so, Lord, I, I ask you uh, for myself and for this church family to come in to our lives in a very real and practical way and help us by taming our tongue. And Lord, we know that can only happen if you first do a deep work inside of our hearts. So we invite you, Jesus, to take your rightful place on the throne of our heart 
and to begin to do a deep work. Lord, for some who are here today as they engage in this 429 challenge and as they struggle to hold their tongue, Lord, help them to look deep inside to find out what is going on in their heart that's causing them to want to say those things. Lord, may we be changed. And by the change that we endure and the way it's reflected in the use of our tongues, would you reveal yourself to our friends to our family, to our neighbors. May they be encouraged by the things that we say. And Father, may we see life change and change in their hearts because of the words that we choose to use. Lord, today many people will come and take a tongue depressor. Lord, many people today will set out with a good intention of seeking to spend 29 days focused on the way they use their words And Lord, we invite you uh, to do a deep, deep work inside of us now, but but maybe even more so through the rest of this week and between Sundays as we open your word and we see what you say about the way we use our words. Thank you, God, that the word became flesh and came to dwell among us. Thank you that you give us words of life. Thank you for Jesus who makes all things new. And so we come before you today inviting you to make our hearts and our tongues new. We dedicate ourselves, our whole lives, our whole beings to you for your glory and for your purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.